Um, I want to, we're going to talk tonight about, about a prayer, and, and I, I argue that prayer is uh, important, not just for the general reasons you think about prayer being important, but prayer is also a way you can really know someone's heart, right? If you really want to know what someone really believes or thinks about something, don't just ask them, because they, they may not tell the whole truth for a myriad of reasons, but if you, if you can listen in on their prayers, you would know, right? Uh, if that woman who jumps in front of you at line at the grocery store to get in front of you, uh, didn't just hear the words you said, which is, oh, that's okay, you don't have that many things going in front of me, and instead could hear your prayers to the Lord of, Lord, I'm about to run this woman over with a cart right now, please, please don't let me do that to this woman right here. They would, they would know your real heart, right? If, if my children could hear the prayer going on in the back of my head instead of the words coming out of my mouth, they would, it would probably scar them forever if they knew the prayer. I know for my parents, having had adult conversations with them now, they're, they're, I had very supporting parents. I, you know, my parents loved me and always told me how great I was and how special I was, and my mom particularly. I mean, I know now she was biased. Then I just thought she was just an unbiased judge, and she was right. And I was the pinnacle of all boys in the world. But, you know, if I would have just been able to hear the prayers that I now know they would say at night, you know, the, the okay, go have fun with your friends, uh, seemed like they had total confidence in me, but I know now that when the door shut and there were prayers, uh, Lord, don't let him wreck our car, Lord, please don't let him do anything stupid, Lord, please, you know, we don't want him to get in trouble, so make sure that no females find him even remotely attractive so nothing happens at that party. And I don't know they prayed that part, but I'd like to blame something for the way those parties went in high school. So I'm going to assume it was the powerful prayers of my parents. But the point being that I, through a prayer, you hear what's really going on in someone's heart and in someone's mind, right? And in this passage, and I understand, um, and I'm, honestly, I'm considering not reading it again because it's long and it winds all over the place. This passage in John is, is a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit hard to read. Uh, and in English, I think it, it definitely feels even probably more repetitive than it does in Greek. Um, so maybe I'll just read it in, in Greek to y'all. But uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I can't. I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Um, but it's 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 a it's a moment in the narrative in John where Jesus literally kind of steps out, and then we get this recorded conversation between Jesus and God. This is Jesus praying about us, about his disciples, about what those who will come, right, and what will happen after he's gone. And so you really hear the heart of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants for us. Um, and for the sake of uh, the recording, the podcast, that kind of stuff, we'll read it again. And again, I know it kind of winds around itself a little bit here, but uh, we're in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. And there's a lot of things said here, but I want to talk about the one thing that's repeated and I think is kind of the main thread throughout it. And we're going to drill down on that one thing. But here's uh, Jesus' prayer uh, uh, for and about his disciples. Verse 6, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that, that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me I have given them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And there's a lot of this talk about I came from you, you know, you and I are the same, all this is coming through here, and it gets to the bigger point in a minute. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. Another word for glorified would be magnified. For some reason, I like that term better, because I just like the, the idea of magnification. They see me, see you a little better because of me. 
And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. And that's where we're going to drill it down today. They may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, but not, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that, they may, so that my joy may, may be made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they may also be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I would not want to diagram these sentences. You remember sentence diagrammings? This would be a hard, hard thing to diagram. But, uh, this prayer says a lot, but the main thread throughout this prayer is this idea that Jesus puts forward of make them one as we are one. Make them one as I am in you and you are in me. Make them one. Now that is a lofty desire for human beings. It is a lot to ask for a them to be a one. It's a lot to ask for them to be one. And, and we struggle with this. Uh, those of us in this room, in this context, in this time, in this place, in human history, particularly have a one major thing working against us as kind of modern followers of Christ in America circa 2021. We are a culture of rugged individualists, right? We believe in individualism. We consider worrying about me to be a virtue. We're proud of it. I worry about my faith. I worry about my family. I worry about my finances. You worry about yours. I am one. We are many. And like you, when you begin to think about kind of thinking of uh, ourselves as one, I can't even hardly imagine what that might look like. It runs so counter to what I've been brought up with. It runs so counter to my culture, to the way I tend to look at things. I don't even really know how that looks like. And, and what I, I think we struggle with it so much that we tend to settle uh, for cheap imitations of unity. And I think the cheapest of those imitations is uniformity. Right? And unity is not uniformity, and that's an important thing. And, and I, I didn't know this in the church growing up. In fact, I feel like I was taught the opposite. Unity is not uniformity. And the church in general has tended to choose to pursue uniformity over unity. All right? So we as a church would develop our system. We would develop and, and, and perfect our theology. And then we would go out and start converting people into the mold that we have created to try and make them look like us and act like us and be like us, to be uniform, right? You use your savvy and you use your authority to get everyone else in line with what you know to be true. Believe these five things or you're a heretic. Do, don't do these three things or you're a heathen. Vote like this. Dress like this. On and on and on and on, right? 
And as soon as someone is not uniform, this is at least how it was when I grew up, as soon as someone is not uniform, they've backslidden. They're outside of the model. They're, they're no longer a part of things. And they're accused of all kinds of terrible things, including disunity. All because they aren't carbon copies of the ones who are in charge and the ones who have kind of laid out the rules. Like, that's a bad thing. Unity is not uniformity. In fact, uniformity is something that's always enforced from the top down, which is something I don't really believe happens in the kingdom of God. There is no other way of of making uniformity. It doesn't just happen naturally. There are no schools that have voluntary uniforms. There's no jobs that have voluntary uniforms. Uh, the, the, the president of UPS didn't say, you know, I think everyone would just look good in brown shorts and shirt, so if y'all wouldn't mind, put those on. And everyone said, yeah, you're right. These are great. Let's do it. No, it's a, it's a rule. It's enforced. That's how you create uniformity. It's a power over top-down kind of thing. And whenever there's a power over top-down kind of thing, I would say you can almost guarantee it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And not only is uniformity not unity, but uniformity is not even a scriptural good to be pursued. Right? In fact, the the Bible uses language like this. We are a body. We are a body with many different parts. And one part does not get to say to any other part, you're not needed, you're, you're less important. The body needs all the different parts. Uniformity is not the desire. We don't want an entire body of one thing. We don't want an entire body of eyeballs like me. I don't know why I'm the eyeballs. That this actually, that's bad. You can't even hardly see my eyes. I should pick something else. I'm the mouth, maybe? I don't know. But you, know, you don't want an entire body of eyeballs, right? That is not the body of Christ. That's a monster. A very vulnerable monster. I mean, you could get rid of a, an all-eyeball monster pretty easily by probably poking it or whatever. But that is not what it's supposed to be, right? Uniformity is not unity. Unity is about a body of different parts pursuing one mission, having one thing in common, being of the same spirit. Unity is not about all of us being the same kind of person, but of all of us sharing the same purpose, right? And this is where the prayer gets into this, into some of the Trinitarian kind of talk, right? Uh, You know, one of the ancient Christian orthodoxies is a Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three is one, one is three. It's just kind of deep mystery that's at the core of what we believe. And I know that's mysterious and it's hard to explain. Uh, I'm bad enough at math. I can't get up here and explain to you how three equals one and one equals three. But the idea is that God is in fact three distinct, three distinctions that are also this endless uh, relationship together, where one you don't know where one ends and the other uh, begins. In fact, the ancient symbols uh, for the Trinity have that kind of unending kind of series of circles, right? We know that there is a unity within God. In fact, I would, I would flee from any theology that begins to separate God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit out, which a lot of theologies do. God is by nature relating and relationship. God is by nature a relationship between distinctives endlessly bound together in a, nature, in a single nature and a single purpose. And that nature and that purpose is love. That's what scripture tells us. Love is not just what God does. Love is who God is. Not in the sentimental hallmark sense, but in the sense of the cross, in the sense of selfless, sacrificial giving 
of oneself for the benefit of the object of one's affection. God is unified because God is of one soul, one purpose, one activity. God is love. God is love unified for the benefit of others. And Jesus' prayer is that we might be one as God is one. This is the unity of God. And this is the unity that Christ wants for us. For the benefit of the world. A blessing intended to bless others. And this is the unity that we should remain committed to keeping and to pursuing no matter how uncomfortable it gets. And the truth is, I think this is a very uncomfortable endeavor. Because deep down, I personally prefer uniformity to unity. I'd rather just have my kind of uniformity and then call it a day. I think the best example of this for me in my life right now is I belong to a pastor's group that meets once a month. Actually, I belong to a couple of them. There's one that meets once a month. And it is a, a widely varying group of people that are part of this group. Uh, we're made up of all kinds of different churches, denominations, genders, ethnicities, theologies, you name it. We are as different as you can be and still kind of all put yourself under the heading of pastor somewhere, right? And I will tell you, I, I love that group of folks. I, I love every time we get together. It, it's, a, it's one of the most meaningful things I do during the month. But I can tell you, as much as I love it, it is hard work to choose unity over uniformity. It's hard work. Somewhere deep inside, if I'm honest, I really just want everyone in that room to go ahead and agree with me. To believe what I believe, to focus on what I think is important, to accept the truths that I know. You know, I mean, I just, I just want, I want them to believe and act correctly, like me. That's what I want. I would be a lot more comfortable if that would happen. I want uniformity. I want my uniformity, but I want uniformity. And everyone else in that room... <laughs> Because this is really kind of a, a endemic for pastors, something we all suffer with. If, if you don't, all of us have it covered for you at least. Everyone else in that room has the same impulse, and you can just see us sometimes all fighting against it. The tense moments that happen in that room, which they do happen sometimes, it's that impulse that we're all just kind of fighting against, right? There are pastors that show up for that meeting because it's kind of open to whoever wants to come and there's pastors that show up and they come in the room fired up there's a group of pastors that are meeting once a month and they're across denominational lines and what a wonderful thing and they come in and they sit down and in about five minutes you can see them coming out of their skin and in about ten minutes I can look and go we will never see that person again And half the time, at some point in the first meeting, they've tried to take control and establish some rules for a group that they just joined that's been around for a few years, right? Because we don't know what to do without uniformity. We are all more comfortable with people being just like us than forging unity in the midst of difference. But the truth is, the most meaningful work I've ever gotten to participate in was not done in uniformity, but it was done in unity. I mean, thing after thing, uh, Hope House, 
which a lot, a lot of you know about. Some of you now haven't been here long enough to, to remember Hope House. It was a day shelter that we had a big part in. Uh, we, we were there a lot. And there, there was a wide variety of people coming through Hope House. Both homeless folks who were taking advantage of the services and people that would come. We had different churches each week and different groups of people that would come and serve and wash dishes and, and make meals and eat meals and drive vans and wash dirty clothes and, and do all kinds of stuff. Serve together, right? I mean, there was an enormous variety of people coming through that door. And at any given point, uh, one of us could have called the whole group together after, after breakfast and come outside and said, all right, let's nail down some finer points of theology. And everyone would have left mad at each other because there was no uniformity in what was going on there. There were some downright offensive ideas happening on a, every, on a weekly basis at Hope House. I heard some things that I would not repeat uh, here for sure. But there was a unity in purpose. There was a unity in the idea that we were called to love those who we did not feel like were being loved in our community. We have every, all kinds of different churches now helping uh, to fund tutors throughout the schools. The program that we started at Hawkins and then we kind of moved out of our umbrella and invited other churches to be a part and spread it around. And we're going to have nine tutors in different schools uh, in the school district next, next year. And I'm telling you that I know all the pastors from all these churches. And if we sat down and all started to measure out uh, whether or not we were uniform in belief, we are not at all. But we have unity in purpose. And beautiful things are happening in the school district because of it. This pastor's group that I'm a part of, we are not uniform, but we have a unity of purpose. And it is sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's messy in that room. Now, that would be a great reality show, what goes on in that room. I would happily share it with you if it wasn't wrong for me to record it. It's, it's, there's some good stuff happening there. Things you never thought you'd hear some pastors talk about, I promise. This community, I mean, when we started off, we said everyone is welcome, and we meant everyone. And we said we are not going to be a church of uniformity. We are not going to tell you everything you have to believe and how you have to believe it and when you have to believe it and how to dress and when to show up and when not to show up. We're not going to dictate anything from on high. But we will share a common purpose. And if you're about that purpose, come on out. All those things, which are the, the best things I've gotten to be a part of, were centered on the very thing that I feel like Jesus is praying for in this prayer. Not uniformity, but unity. When we choose to order ourselves under the one thing that we have most in common, the God who is selfless love. When we remember that if we just work on that first thing, that'll occupy all the time we have. That'll occupy all the energy we have. That'll occupy all the programming dollars we have. That'll occupy everything. We'll, we'll never get to number two, so let's just stop worrying about it. We center ourselves not on each person, but on our purpose. So let's commit ourselves once again to the unity that Christ most wanted for us, that Christ prayed for us. Let's all just spend less time in our heads, in our lives, and definitely on our Facebook pages trying to find uniformity and force it on other people. 
Your meme has not changed anyone's life. Stop it. You will not get everyone to agree with you. And I'm sorry, I know you're brilliant, but that's a good thing. We don't need uniformity. We don't need any more eyeball monsters. Let us fix ourselves. Let us spend our time focused on the unity of God's sacrificial love. Be flexible with everyone who disagrees with you. Be flexible with everyone who doesn't look like you. Be flexible with those who hold theologies and attend churches that you would never attend. It's okay. Be flexible with all those folks who don't look like you look. Be inflexible. Be rigid in your commitment to showing the world a God who loves all the way to the cross and back. Be radically united with every weirdo who's committed to that same love. Be radically committed to that purpose with every different kind of person that's there. And watch what happens. Because that was Christ's dream for the body. That was Christ's prayer for us. That we may be one as God is one. Let us start and end there. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for who and what you are. A God who is above us, and a God who is with us, and a God who is within us, and at all those points, a God who is love. Deep, sacrificial, humble, serving love. Lord, may we be united in the same thing that unites you. May we hold that thing in common. May we plant our flag there. May we spend our life there. Lord, help us to be one as you are one. Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, Will you please stand?